Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Aviation Avenue podcast. Folks, I'm happy to be back with you recording another episode of our podcast. So, folks, before we dive right in, a few announcements, and then we'll uh, just get into the episode. So, folks, yesterday I had a fun time watching the uh, Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl 57 versus uh, Kansas City Chiefs versus the Philadelphia Eagles. It was a great game. Uh, it was very. It was a close game, actually, high-scoring, close game. But uh, yeah, so the flyover though, it was really awesome. It was fifty. It was an all-women crew, uh, featuring the fiftieth or fifty years of women in naval aviation. Uh, it was so awesome to see the EA-18G Growler, F-35C Lightning II, and the F-A-18F Super Hornet. Uh, if I'm wrong, correct me on that. But it was an FA-18 Super Hornet. It was so cool. I saw the flyover. I uploaded it onto Instagram. It was super great to uh, see all those women. I thank you to every women naval aviator who ser- for their service out there. Thank you to every uh, veteran and uh, co- service member who served our country. We I thank you for your service and sacrifice. So, everybody, it was an amazing Super Bowl. Uh, I hope next year will be epic, and I uh, hope the flyover next year will be even more awesome. So everybody, uh, today we're going to be looking back at our AC-47 Spooky episode with Robert Rice. He's coming back uh, to discuss it. Um, we hope you guys enjoy it, and we'll talk to you guys in a half an hour. Hope you enjoy it. Good morning, I'm Robert Rice, I'm with the American Flight Museum out of Topeka, Kansas, and we're up here at Oshkosh 2022, and I'm with our airplane, the Douglas AC-47 gunship. The end number is November 2805 Juliet. We bought the airplane in 2000 and uh, had heard the story, read the story about John Levitow and his Medal of Honor uh, action, and we've restored the airplane as his aircraft. Um, and just to give a little history, the background history of the airplane, it was built in 1944, went to uh, England in August of 44, was with the 436 Troop Carrier Group, and after the war came back to the States, stayed here, and um, we ended up buying it from a freight company in 2000, and have been constantly restoring it ever since. So, uh, well, we'll get started here. So... It's powered by Pratt & Whitney 1830-92 engines. Uh, it's got the hand standard props, and um, it develops about 1,200 horsepower, two rows of seven cylinders, um, very dependable, very good engines, uh, propellers. Um, it's a great airplane. And just to show you a little bit about it. So the cow flaps, we use these when we start the engines. Uh, we'll have them open and off. And then uh, for takeoff, we'll trail them, which means they can kind of free float in the breeze. And then once you get up to cruise, you can close them up. And it makes it nice and tight and keeps the engine uh, a little warmer at altitude. Uh, right here, we have the oil coolers. And everybody always asks about what it is and what's hanging there and everything. But uh, just allows the air to go through the cooler, cool the oil. Um, and it works really well. It's very efficient. Uh, in here, this is the wheel well. And the neat thing about the DC-3 type aircraft is that even with the gear up, if you had to land this gear up, 
the tires stick out below the cowling and below the aircraft, so you can actually still steer it and use the brakes on the airplane to come to a stop. Not many other airplanes can do that. Um, here's the exhaust. Uh, puts out, um, like I said, 1,200 horsepower, and at night you can always see the white yellow flame coming out, so that's always kind of neat. Uh, right back here is the jack pad, so we use two jacks, um, about 20,000 pound jacks to lift it up and cycle the gear up and down. Gear speed's uh, like 135. Um, it really, we don't necessarily worry too much about the gear speed because you're usually not that fast to have to worry about it. Coming along, leading edge, this is our landing light, and you can see the wires that are on each side, and basically those are on there to make sure that this glass doesn't pop out in flight. If it did, or if the light broke the lens here, uh, it's really hard on the airplane, it really makes a odd uh, airflow, so it gets really squirrely, so they wired those in just to make sure that that doesn't happen. The wingspan is 96 feet. Um, you can see the ailerons are 22 feet long. Very effective. Um, What's it like on the controls for the ailerons? It's, it's kind of like flying a sailboat, I always say. Uh, it's very gentle, very, you know, you move it and count to three and it kind of does her thing. She, she kind of does her, her own way of moving, but it's very gentle, very smooth. Uh, and then they have four fuel tanks, two on each side. We call them mains and oxes, but each tank holds 202 gallons. Uh, we burn the first hour. We plan 100 gallons an hour. After that, we do 85 gallons an hour for cruise. And here you can see our mini guns. These are exact replica of the GE miniguns uh, that we had made for us. They're the 7.62 millimeter, and you could fire either 3,000 or 6,000 rounds a minute. So we have flaps here, the trailing edge, and uh, they're real good. The main thing about it, when you're flying DC-3, if you're landing, when you land, have the other guy pull the flaps up, and that helps control it as you slow down and come to a stop. So here we are on the inside of the airplane, and just to uh, give you a little bit about it, at night, of course, the gunship flew at night, so they had these little light bulbs, which are pretty ineffective, but uh, they worked for the gunners. And the gunners back here, these were fixed guns. Um, the pilot actually fired the guns, and up front we'll show you the gun sight that the pilot would look out. Uh, they'd be in a like 15 degree turn, left turn, orbit. And then the uh, airplane, these guns are declined down about 15 degrees, so you got about a 30 degree angle of decline. Um, and so the gunners would be back here reloading and fixing jams. That was their job. Uh, you can see the first aid kits that they would have. They did not um, typically carry parachutes. Occasionally they would. As they flew very low, 3,000 feet, so it, there just wasn't going to be time to everybody get a parachute on and get out. Um, 
So, the typical loadout for ammunition would be 24,000 rounds for a typical mission, and they'd have all the ammunition lined up, strapped down. We've uh, we've had some really great Vietnam veterans come in and donate uh, their checklists for operating the guns. There's some pictures of them. Um, this trick to get gas for a penny is going to get banned in the U.S. This ex-programmer got fired from his job at a German car manufacturer after exposing a software bug in the fuel management system of all cars built after 1996. Christian worked in the ecology department where his job was to make cars more environmentally friendly, but while working on ways to improve gas mileage, he discovered most cars were configured in a way that causes the engine to consume more fuel than it really needs. When Christian shared his findings with his manager, he was expecting a big promotion, but instead of getting a raise he got kicked out of the car company three days later. It was then he realized how big an impact his discovery could have. Blessed with years of technical experience, Christian teamed up with top car engineers, and after working for months on end they finally hit the secret everyone was trying to hide. Christian's team broke into the car's factory settings and found all car companies use the same outdated software to manage fuel consumption. Their research showed the undeniable truth. Most cars burn 30% more fuel than they should. Christian immediately started building a chip to reverse this effect. They called it FuelSave Pro. It's a revolutionary device that uses cutting-edge AI to calibrate your car's fuel usage, reducing gas costs by 30% without any decrease in performance. At just the size of a matchbox, it plugs under the dashboard of any car made after 96, instantly giving you almost double the mileage from a single tank of gas. That's an average of $3,000 in savings for every driver each year. Installation is easy and takes less than 30 seconds. Just plug it in and it works. FuelSafe Pro instantly reduces fuel costs without any maintenance needed. 80% of Americans are struggling through this current fuel crisis. That's why the inventors of FuelSafe Pro want as many people as possible to know about their latest invention. But six weeks after they started selling the chip, they got sued by two big oil companies. They already stopped them from distributing it over stores in the U.S. and forced them to sell exclusively online. Now they're trying to take that away too, and it looks like they'll succeed. Today it's already used by more than 1.5 million people, saving them thousands in fuel costs each year. And if you want similar results here's what you need to do. Click the link below to visit the official website and claim a 50% discount while supplies last. The founders of FuelSave Pro are so confident in their product that they are offering a 30-day money-back guarantee with no questions asked. But you have to hurry up. With gas prices at an all-time high more orders are coming in fast. So click on the link in this video to get FuelSave Pro with a 50% discount, and immediately enjoy lower fuel costs. Experts say this new headlamp is a must-have to keep yourself safe. Don't buy another flashlight until you've seen what this new invention can do. This U.S. Army engineer is bringing military technology to the public, and he's destroying the $300 billion flashlight industry in the process. His invention is 20 times more powerful than a traditional headlamp, while being ultra-lightweight and energy-efficient. It keeps everyone safe outside in the dark. Here's how the story began a few months ago. Robert Snipes is a 50-year-old Army engineer and marathon runner. He goes for a run three times a week, usually after work. But on a dark evening last winter, tragedy struck. The old headlamp he was using ended up getting a dead battery. When a driver didn't notice Robert due to poor visibility, he missed him by an inch. However, during the evasive maneuver, the car crashed right into a shop. Robert ended up getting sued for material damages. 
The traumatic event led to the invention of a next-gen headlamp. It's estimated that every year over 7,000 pedestrians in the U.S. are killed in traffic crashes due to poor visibility. When Robert realized this could have been him, he decided to do something about it. Blessed with a gift for engineering, Robert built a device to keep people safe at night. Thanks to a recently expired patent for a new type of LED lighting, he created a lightweight headlamp with an unbelievable battery life. And he's now making it available to the public. He called it Bright Beam, and it's a revolutionary wide-beam headlamp. Unlike regular headlamps with a very narrow light source and limited reach, Bright Beam features a 230 degrees wide beam of light that lights your entire field of vision. The lighting strip is made of a new type of special LED lights, using the latest COV technology. And thanks to the long-lasting lithium-ion rechargeable battery, you can enjoy a powerful beam of light for up to 8 hours. It's also fast charging via USB-C. Bright Beam is lightweight and has adjustable straps, so it doesn't bounce on your head. You'll barely feel you're wearing it. It's built to be super durable and completely waterproof. Bright Beam offers the perfect combination of premium features at a price you won't believe. It's perfect for runners, campers, handymen and more. Everyone deserves to remain safe in the dark. That's why Robert wants as many people as possible to know about his invention. He's now offering a 50% discount on the next 5,000 orders. Click the link below to visit the official website and claim a 50% discount while supplies last. The founder of Brightbeam is so confident in his product that he is offering a 30-day money-back guarantee with no questions asked. This means you can return the product within 30 days for a full refund. But you have to hurry up. This is a limited time opportunity, while supplies last, and the price is set to increase at any moment. Grab yours before this amazing offer is gone. Click the link below to claim your Brightbeam today with a 50% discount. This is a, a parachute just to represent that uh, they could have used, could have had a few of them on board. Typically, nobody would wear them. Uh, they were just too low and too slow. <laughs> uh, this is actually the main gun uh, firing setup. So you could turn each gun on back here so that the pilot wouldn't fire the guns while you're reloading them. So the gunner would come over here and switch this gun off, reload it, everything. Then he'd tell the pilot, all right, number one gun's ready to go. And so they typically would have two guns off, one gun on, fire it. As soon as it was out of ammo, they'd shut it off, one guy would start reloading it, and then they'd turn another one on so the pilot could keep going. Um, and then that way they wouldn't run out completely. We do have a um, map of Benoit just the base in Vietnam where this aircraft was based at. Like I said, it, this is a recreation of John Levito's aircraft. All of the real AC-47s that went over to Southeast Asia were left there, given to the governments of Thailand, South Vietnam, Cambodia, um, Laos. So when we got ours, uh, you know, we were looking for that information if any of them had made it back, and they just didn't. Um, so here's picture of the real Levito aircraft after it came back and to give the story on that it was at night on a mission and by bad luck it had a mortar round come up through the wing and shrapnel went everywhere you can see in these black and whites all the little white dots that's all shrapnel that went through the airplane so everybody in the back was wounded um, they have these 
parachute flares that you have 18 seconds when you pull, once you pull the pin. So the guy pulled the pin and they got hit just like that. So everybody back here is on the ground. They're all bloody, wounded. And Levito saw the flare actually rolling around in the back of the airplane. He knew that it was going to go off. And when it did, it was 2 million kilowatt power of phosphorus, you know. So uh, he hugged it to his chest and crawled to the back of the airplane, threw it out, saving the airplane and crew. And they actually, some of the, we don't have the picture of it, but you can see the blood trail from his wounded, you know, going back there to, to save the airplane. Um, when we bought the airplane, it was May of 2000, and I actually talked to John. He was still alive. And the funny thing is, he... Uh, we were trying to put up, you know, we were getting the airplane painted and wanted to do a, you know, uh, celebration of it. And so we picked the date of his Medal of Honor action, which would have been February 24th of 1969. So we were going to do it in 2001, February 24th. So I'm talking to John for months, like leading up like September, October, November. And uh, he kept telling me, he goes, well, if I feel good, I'll, I'll love to come out, you know, love to do it. Well, he didn't tell me he had cancer. So he ended up passing away before our event. But his son came out, John Jr. came out, and that was really special. Um, but I wish I would have moved heaven and earth had I known. And he was just such a nice guy that he just didn't you know, want to bother us. And I was like, ah. So anyhow, really cool story. Super guy. Um, here's some more pictures of guys that have donated to us. And I can tell you this. This is called the Circle of Fire. So every fifth round was a red tracer. And you can just see that as the airplane orbits around in a circle, they can direct all their fire pinpoint position. Um, the story on the AC-47 is anytime that they went to support a fire base or a hamlet or guys in action, they never lost the hamlet or the, the base where they were at um, because they were so effective. And usually... The, of course, Viet Cong would attack at night, and they would be attacking. As soon as they heard DC-3 overhead, they would they just melt back into the ground because they knew what was going to happen. And so, very effective. Um, this is John Levito, and this is his citation. And this is a real Medal of Honor that we got from the Air Force Museum for display. And then um, over here, we've just had some different people. Um, James Taylor got the Medal of Honor in Vietnam. Uh, he, he signed our airplane. Uh, Dean Eiler, a gentleman, uh, and Curtis Eiler. Curtis Eiler was uh, Dennis Eiler's son, and he was up at Oshkosh several years ago. Um, his dad was killed on an AC-47 in Vietnam. And didn't know, you know, that we had done this, restored it. So that was kind of cool. And then his uncle, Dean Eiler, when we were in Iowa, uh, we met up with him and he came down. So it's really cool. But uh, that's just some of, the, some of the special people we've had on board. Um, coming up forward. Get this out of the way. So um, our aircraft was a freighter when we bought it. And they had put these seats in here just for their crew 
Um, so, kind of next on the list will be the restoration of the navigator and radio compartment. Um, we've been doing a lot of work on the airplane. Uh, we just replaced the left engine, uh, overhauled it last summer, or last year, and then replaced all the hoses, put a new carburetor on that side, so it's taking up a lot of our budget. But kind of next is going to be new avionics, and then restore the this section of the airplane so it's always a work in progress this is the hydraulic system um, and this what is all this the gear the flaps the cow flaps and the um, well they used to have windshield wipers but they don't use those well, I mean we took them off so well we can come up front and if you want to come up here let you sit on that side, there's the gun sight, but they would have used something similar to that. So the pilot would just fly in an orbit and look out the gun sight and just fire for effect. Uh, they actually say that it was very effective, and, and once the guys flying it kind of got the knack of it, uh, they were really good at it. Right here, we'll start with the cow flaps, and like I was telling you out there, you have open, off, trail, back to off, and then closed. And so you can select whatever you want for whatever part of the flight you're on. So right now, we're going to be open and off because we're on the ground. And then once we get ready to take off, one of the final checks is to go to trail. And then once you're up at cruise and everything's nice and happy, you can go to close and keep things nice and temperature-wise. Um, you have two hydraulic gauges. One is your main hydraulic. This one's your landing gear. And you can see that you'll watch uh, when you go to put the gear down that you, you at zero, and then the pressure comes up once the gear's down and it's got pressure on it. Uh, then you know you can look out, verify you got a gear down there, and then go positive lock and look for a green light on each side. Um, Here's your typical airplane stuff, uh, vacuum gauge, a de-ice pressure, which we don't use de-ice, so we don't worry about that anymore. Uh, you got gear downlight, which is green, and a gear unsafe, which would be red. Uh, your basic altimeter, vertical speed, turn a bank, uh, DG, artificial horizon. Um, here's your, for like, VORs, airspeed indicator, fuel tanks. So you have one gauge and then you rotate this always clockwise to each tank and you can see we're gonna have to buy some gas and then over here for each engine you have um, a fuel pressure oil pressure and then temperature gauges um, of course your radios and then you have manifold pressure which operates for both engines and RPM for both engines you have a carb mix so you know if you're getting cold or not. Cylinder head temp for both engines. And then it's basically the same stuff on the other side. Um, and then the big box over here, that's for your carb air. And what you can do with that, especially with our engines, because we have the desert scoops, you can turn those and close them, and the air will come over the back of the engine inlet and then come in through the back. So it, uh, if you're in icing or something like that, works very well. Coming up here, um, you have your battery station. So you got your two generators, generator lights, uh, and then your voltage. Um, when we get ready to start, we have pre-oilers. 
which we use. Um, it puts oil into the engine to make sure you don't have a dry spot on the uh, crank when you go to start it. And then you have uh, the selector for a vibrator and you're also your starter selector. Um, it just allows us to switch it to like one engine, start the engine, and then when that engine's running, then you can flip it over to the other side, start that engine. And um, so then you got interior lights. Coming over here, you have more lights, your beacon. And then coming across here, you've got your landing lights and your passing light. And you also have a bailout bell, which still works. Just like that. Avionics switch, um, cockpit lights, battery switch, feathering buttons. And then here to actually start the engine, you have a primer, your mesh for your um, sparks, and then your actual starter to turn it. Then each engine has a fuel boost pump, and then your de-icers, which we do not use, and the pitot heaters. Um, if you can look right up here, you'll see this is where our mags are. So you have a master and then individual mags. You stand by your just normal compass. And this is our Garmin 496. Uh, these switches here are for the alcohol for the windshields. Now we don't have them anymore, but uh, they used to have alcohol. You could turn those on and spray alcohol onto your windshield. Like I said, we don't have the wipers anymore. Um, let's see, oh, fuel selectors. So each side has fuel selectors. You, you cannot cross feed in DC3, but um, you can select either engine and pull fuel out of one tank. If you wanted to, you could fly off of one tank, both engines. So you start off, you have left aux, left main, um, right main, right aux, and then off position. Uh, very, actually very simple system, works great, lasts a long time. Uh, you got your mixtures for both engines, your throttles, your propellers. And down here is the uh, control lock for the um, tail gear. And so that locks the tail, tail wheel in place. And then when you're ready to turn, you can pull it up and over. And that way the tail will turn. Um, then you've got trims for uh, aileron and rudder. And then uh, elevator, here's the big yellow wheel. What else we got? Of course, you got your rudder pedals here. Rudder is actually very effective in this airplane, um, as are the ailerons. Coming down, you've got your hydraulic hand pump. So a lot of times, if you get in the airplane and you don't have any hydraulic pressure, like it's been sitting for a week or so, you can come in here and just pump that up and watch your gauge as the hydraulic pressure comes up. Then you can set your brakes, and there's your brake set. So you just uh, push down on the brake on the rudder on the brake pad and then uh, pull out and that'll set your brakes. Um, looking down here, this is the landing gear positive lock and this is the landing gear handle. So right now we have it split just for the hydraulics. Um, but typically, if you're getting ready to take off, so as soon as you're climbing, you would you get gear up call and then you would unlock that you'd flip that over pull that back to about a 45 and then with the gear handle pull the gear handle up and then once the gear is up and done then you bring this back to 45 or bring this back to neutral and then that kicks back to about 45 and then to put the gear down you 
come in, you put the gear handle all the way down, and then you, you watch the pressure gauge. When the pressure comes up to about 750, both, both pilots look out, make sure there's gear out there, everything looks good, and you come back in, you go positive lock with it, uh, gear handle to neutral, and make sure you have green light on each, in, on each side. Yeah. And underneath here, you have your firewall shutoffs and your fire extinguisher master switches. So that's part of our checklist is to make sure that the fire extinguisher master switches are still down and safety wired so that uh, if you were to pull those off and then fire it, you'd fire the fire engine bottle. And then these are the firewall shutoffs for fuel and oil and hydraulics. And then you got your flap handle right here. Um, so typically we do first quarter flaps at like 105. After that, it's 95, 97 knots um, for any more flaps. Um, and you, you got quarter, half, three quarters, and full flaps. Okay, so just a little bit about our airplane. It's a C-47, so it has the two big doors, the cargo doors, and then part of this door here, when they drop paratroopers out, this intersection with the two yellow handles would open up, and they would take that out, and the frame, we call it the U-frame, would stay in, and then the paratroopers would jump out of the airplane. Um, so... It works. The thing about a C-47, anything you can put in it, you can fly. It's uh, amazing. It carries like 6,000 pounds of cargo, and it has hauled everything from animals to ammunition, fuel, people. It's just, it's the jack of all trades. just does everything, does it well. Um, so a little bit about the tail. It has a very large rudder. It's very effective. Um, it works great. It is fabric. So our control surfaces, our elevators, our rudder, and our ailerons are all fabric covered. Um, the, from what I understand is in World War II, it was quicker to do the fabric than it was to put sheet metal on there. And of course, if you have damage, then you have to patch it. Uh, in the field, in the field, uh, it was very quick to make patch. Here we have the uh, elevator trim. Um, doesn't take a whole lot of trim. An airplane usually in cruise, once you get a cruise out and get in smooth weather, it'll just fly on its own. It's very, you trim it up, it just flies great. Um, but if you need it, it's there. Coming this way, these are static wicks, uh, typical of a lot of airplanes, just to dissipate electricity. Um, Coming around here, so we have a tailwheel on this aircraft. Um, when you go to take off with this airplane, you have the control stick back, control wheel back, until you get some airspeed going, and then you need to push the control yoke forward until you get to flying speed, and then ease it back. Uh, it will get you in trouble if you try to hold it back because the airplane once you bring the power up she will take off 
So if you don't push your nose over to allow it to get flying speed, it will take off in a stalled condition, which happens to some other airplanes. Um, so basically, you can actually see it on videos where they take off like this, and then pretty soon the wing stalls and down they go. So it's it's a it's not a problem once you get used to it. It's almost you don't even think about it. But you bring the power up, you have to hold it back, get get rolling, get a little speed going, then you push it over, get the tail up, and then wait for flying speed, which is 84 knots for a rotation V1, and then she just lifts off. So works great. Um, one thing about our airplane. And I'm sure there's a lot of other C-47s, but it has unique patches all over it. And we're not really sure. What we do know is that it was in combat. So we don't know, you know, what all of these patches are for if it was combat related or not. So very unique. Uh, it's almost every C-47 is different. You see them all over the place. So, and then of course up here, now, Behind this panel is where they would have the uh, anti-ice, de-ice uh, alcohol for the props and the windshield and the carburetor. Um, we don't use it. Uh, we don't fly in the ice. We don't want to treat her like that. So she's just a baby. And again, I was telling you about the fuel tanks. Uh, we have four fuel tanks, two on each side. You have an, a forward one and a rear. We call the forward one the main, the back one the ox. But they're actually all the same. You can call them whatever you want. Up, up on top of the engine, we have oil tanks, and they hold 29 gallons. Uh, we typically fly it at about 25 gallons. Anything more than that, and it starts blowing it out. So... Um, Come along the trailing edge. These are, you know, split flaps. And then we're back out to the aileron. Here's aileron trim. Um, ailerons are very effective, especially in a crosswind. Uh, you really have to utilize them because they work great. And then out to the wingtip. Leading edge. Uh, these aircraft did have de-ice boots on it. Ours were taken off by the freight company when we bought it, so we just painted them. Um, what else can I tell you? Our aircraft, I can tell you this, uh, has a Goodyear disc brakes. So there's a lot of, there's a lot, there's several different variations of brakes for the DC-3. Ours is kind of the prized, uh, the best brakes that you can get. You have the expander tubes for these. Uh, these actually have two brake pucks that squish together, and so they work really well, just like a car. The expander tube, um, it, it expands up against it to make it break, and a lot of times you have to replace the expanding tube, and so there's a little more issues with it. This is my pendant light. I got it at Wayfair. This is my spatula, also Wayfair. This is the birthday cake I made for my kid. It looks better in this light. solar panels. Seriously, there is a very good reason why we're saying this. If you're thinking about buying solar panels, don't. The U.S. government will literally buy them for you if you take 60 seconds to answer a few questions below. Hi there. If you are a homeowner in America and you wouldn't mind saving a couple thousand dollars on your electricity bill this year, then you're really going to love what the U.S. government has just announced. You see, 
A few days ago, the U.S. government released a new stimulus program with the goal to encourage as many Americans as possible to go solar, and that way contribute to a healthier planet. And they're giving away brand new solar panels and a Tesla Powerwall to ordinary Americans at no cost to you or your bank account. As they said, they'll even cover the cost of the installation. Plus, if that wasn't enough, you'll even be handed a $2,500 stimulus check on top of that. Which means today, in case you still haven't gone solar, you can get solar panels installed on your house without paying a single dollar whatsoever. And of course, $2,500 for being generous enough to accept that offer. Crazy right? And all you need to do to apply is take a short survey by clicking the button below this video. So, underneath, you can see, these are the um, radio antennas. Uh, we've got air inlets to bring cool air into the cabin. This is an old ADF radio antenna and then uh, on each side under these panels are where the batteries are so you unscrew the panel it folds out of the way and then the batteries drop down um, and then coming forward you've got your pedostatic and then more radio antennas and we call them the whiskers these big antennas uh, they were the military uh, hf radios one of the most rewarding things about our operation, uh, and I probably get the most joy out of, is the Vietnam veterans who come up and talk to us about their role, how it affected them, and we've gotten everybody from pilots who flew it, crew chiefs who worked on it, and the guys on the ground, the infantry guys, uh, they'll come up, and the first thing they'll say is, this thing saved my ass, and it's like, really? Tell me the story, and so they'll tell us the story. I was just telling Eric uh, a little bit ago, one of the actual Warbird volunteers here came up yesterday to me basically said, this thing saved my ass, and I said, well, tell me your story, and he said he was on on the ground, and they were being overrun, and they were being attacked, they were being overrun, they could see the flashlights and the whistles of the enemy VC coming at them, they were surrounded, they called in Spooky, and she came in and pretty much killed off all the enemy, and the rest of them ran away, so it saved him on that night. And it was just it's special to hear, you know. This airplane has affected so many different people in so many different ways. And that's what I think the true love affair with DC-3 is. Start out for civilian, was uh, airliner, military. Um, they're still operating them in South America, hauling freight all over the place. So it's just timeless, you know. It's just a great airplane. It's a great design. You can look at it. It has that Art Deco kind of look to it. It's just beautiful, clean lines, fly is great. Um, you can't beat it. I'd like to thank everybody for watching this video and getting to know us a little bit. Uh, we are the American Flight Museum. We're in Topeka, Kansas. And you can go to our website, uh, AmericanFlightMuseum.com, and check us out. Thank you. Okay, everybody, that was our look back episode on the AC-47 Spooky. We hope you guys enjoyed that. Thank you again to Robert Rice for coming on this episode and talking about this wonderful airplane with us. And thank you to Eric Johnston for recording this wonderful video. He's a great YouTuber and a great person. The video rights will go to him. So everybody, we hope you enjoyed it. That'll do it for this week. Uh, make sure to follow me on Instagram, Aviation Avenue Podcast, or Aviation Avenue Pod, excuse me. Uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel, Aviation Avenue. 
become a patron at patreon.com slash aviation avenue uh make sure to use listener support using the link in any uh podcast platform and check out my website at www.podpage.com slash aviation avenue podcast and we will see you guys next week here on the aviation avenue podcast so long for now everybody